Well, our, our passage today is in Psalm 23, but after the performance this morning, it could have been, you know, Genesis 1, let there be light. And there was darkness. So thank you, Penny and Helen and, and Mark, um, for leading us in that real celebration of God's faithfulness, uh, even when we're in darkness. And his leading us on this journey, which is really what we find in Psalm 23 um, today. A familiar psalm. You know, this, this, um, I can read this psalm no matter where I'm asked to speak. It can be uh, at uh, the occasion of someone's death, a funeral of somebody that, that's a friend of a friend who had nothing to do with church, didn't know Jesus. I can read the 23rd Psalm and everybody will join in. I can be at a secular setting, you know, where some group where they ask me to come pray and then... Um, uh, move on. Uh, you can read the 23rd Psalm. Um, uh, and, and I'm not sure if many of you know some of these artists. Some of them you'll know real well. But the, all of these artists have a song um, or two that's related to the 23rd Psalm. Pink Floyd, Coolio, Tupac, Marilyn Manson, The Grateful Dead, U2, Kanye West, and Megadeth. Didn't even know there was a group called Megadeth, some of you. And that yet, yeah, the 23rd Psalm is one of their titles. And for those of you that are X-Men fans, remember when Nightcrawler quoted the 23rd Psalm. Uh, there's a lot of questioning looks out there. Just believe me. <laughs> believe me or talk to your kids or grandkids. And in some of those settings, it's quoted positively. But in others, it's negative. Because this psalm, it, it, it makes a pretty radical claim. I mean, th- this says you have no need for want and you have no need for fear if indeed the Lord is your shepherd. You have every reason for joy if indeed the Lord is your shepherd. And so some of these artists are pushing back on that. They're like, in this age, in this world, in this day... Really? And that's what we'll look at as we look at this particular psalm from the hands of David. As we've been walking through the life of Samuel and Saul and David, exploring what it means like them to have influence in their world, whether you're in charge or not in charge. And what I'll propose to you today is that it's absolutely necessary for us to follow the shepherd and know the shepherd as he leads us in a way of not having want nor having fear in order to have influence for his glory and honor. And I think we see that in David. Uh, we, we see in, in David one who even in times of great danger or in times of great error so we've been walking through with, with David. You know, there were times when, when the King Saul and all of his army was against him, was chasing him around, and he was still singing the praises of God. And, and, and as we looked at just last week, for those of you that were here, uh, David committed adultery and murder and a whole bunch of other things. And yet the Lord was still his shepherd, as we'll see as we walk through this past. So even in great danger and great error, If the Lord is our shepherd, then, as he tells us, then we have no reason for want or fear in him. Let's pray together. 
Gracious God, thank you for your word that speaks to us of your truth. So now, may your spirit come, enable us to hear, enable us to receive, not just in our head, but in our very souls from you. Continue to to draw us closer to know you as our shepherd, as our good shepherd. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, um, so it's the 23rd Psalm. It's uh, 458 in your uh, pew Bible or on the screen, or you can turn on your Bible whatever way you want to, to read it. Um, uh, go ahead. You know, but, you know, for me, in terms of preaching, that the screens weren't working, I wasn't too worried about that, given the 23rd Psalm. And, and matter of fact, I'm going to ask us, let's just say this together. Um, and uh, continue not only to, to hear it, but to, to say it, that it might continue to form our very soul. All right, uh, Psalm 23, verse 1 through, through the end. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so the first thing we need to do when we look at this, I mean, you know, so this is written a long time ago by David, who was a shepherd, and so he's really speaking from experience. Now, I don't think that uh, um, any of us are shepherds. We probably don't even know any shepherds. Uh, matter of fact, some of us probably have never even seen or touched a sheep before. Um, you know, so we, we, we are like clueless to what is going on here. But so I want us just to think a little bit of what a shepherd and what sheep are. You know, so the shepherd's job is to provide and protect and lead the sheep so that they will fulfill their God-given purpose which is to be sheared for their wool. But that's a whole nother point. That didn't make it in the psalm. But that's what the shepherd is to do. And to, to do all in his ability to protect and provide for all their, their needs, their peace, and to lead them on this journey to fulfill their purpose. Now, sheep then, what we know about, about sheep is that you know, they're pretty helpless creatures. You know, I mean, some animals have fangs and claws. Some animals have speed. Some have great agility. Some can climb. Some can fly. You know, some can. The sheep basically they can butt you with their head. Yeah, and that's not gonna do a whole lot against a lion or a bear or uh, anything like that. You know, so that's sheep are relatively help. They're not known for their great gifts. You know, I mean, do you go to the zoo to see a sheep? Ever seen any sheep acts in the circus? You know, there, 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 there aren't any. Matter of fact, I don't even know anybody that has any pet sheep. And people got weird pets. I mean, 
you know, people got hedgehogs as, as pets. And even there was a day people had pet rocks. But I don't know anybody that has a pet. So they're not fast and they're not smart. They have wool. And, and so the shepherd is to take care of them along the way because they're pretty helpless, left to their own devices. And in those days, in those days, I mean, shepherding was very common. Uh, you would have, every village would have shepherds of some kind that who would take their herds of sheep or their group of sheep, they would take them on a, sometimes just a daily a, a journey to find water and to find food and to, to come back. Sometimes it would be for longer. Larger herds would take longer periods of time. But everybody would know and see that um, regularly. And in those days, there really weren't like our that farms that are privately owned fields, you know, with fences and uh, electricity fences, you know, and game wardens and those kind. Of, you, you just went out into the mountains, into the fields that were out there. And there, so as a shepherd, you, you had to be a soldier to lead and protect your sheep from um, from wild beasts um, and from um, marauding robbers who'd come and take them. You you had to be part meteorologist. You had to be able to read the, the weather and know the seasons because the seasons would move. And, and there were places where in the winter the, that you could find grass that in the dry, hot summer you couldn't. And the same with water. You, you had to be um, part Google map even to be able to negotiate um, all of those differences and changes and knowing where you could take the sheep. Um, De- dependent upon, and so, so for shepherds, this was a dangerous task the, to take your sheep out. Remember, David talked about how he prepared for Goliath by killing the lions that would attack his sheep. Yeah, and and you, uh, and as we'll see, there were the, the weather could also have great danger. Um, upon them, and it 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 took um, great physical stamina and sacrifice to care for and lead the sheep daily for their needs. So what I want, I hope now you got the sense. This is not being a shepherd is not parallel to walking your dog on the Winton Woods path. You know that it is just a very different journey. And so as the sheep, knowing this kind of journey, David is saying, we are like sheep and God is my shepherd. Therefore, I shall not want. I shall lack nothing that is needed to fulfill the purposes that God has for me. You have life without lack. Which would seem crazy. You can see what some of those artists are pushing back against. But that is true. It's possible if God is my shepherd. Again, the the note of shepherd is not a coddling. You know, that picture of Jesus smiling in his nice white robe and his his shiny teeth and uh, often his blue eyes with a little bitty lamb on his shoulder and he's sort of just sauntering around walking and you say, oh, isn't that a cute lamb? Oh, pet him and all that. That's not a shepherd. It's not a coddling of the sheep so they can fulfill their purpose. It's not a coddling, a caring for, a protecting the the sheep so they can do what they want to do, so they can find themselves. 
It is a leading of the sheep through danger and provision to find peace, water, food to fulfill God's purpose. That's the picture that he's presenting here. And so he goes on in the, the, the second um, verse uh, say that he's going to meet every need to eliminate our lack and our fear. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, basically, what that's saying is God's going to provide the food. God's going to provide the sheep food and water. Provide them their basic needs of life. Without them, they will not fulfill their purpose. And sometimes in this, uh, you sort of read this first one. It's, it's like a, God's being forceful here. He's going to put the sheep in the field and he's going to make them sit down. You know, and we sometimes think about this first part of the passage as God taking us to places that we rest. You know, we, we look at this and we think, ah, oh, that means God's going to put me on the front porch of a nice lake house with a beautiful green yard. And that's going to restore my soul. That would, that would restore my soul. I, I, I mean, if, if I could be there today, I would. That would be great. But that's not what he's saying. He, he's saying, I'm going to take, the shepherd will take a sheep to the green grass fields. And, and sheep, when they get to green grass fields, they eat, they don't lie down. Well, they don't lie down until they have eaten what they need. So a picture of sheep in a beautiful green grass with the sheep laying down is telling you the sheep have all they need. And they're now resting. It doesn't say that the shepherd brings them green grass. It's not room service. It says he takes them on a journey to find the green grass where they, there they will enjoy. And he takes them as well to, to still waters. Now, for the still waters, I used to think that, that was my biblical argument for why the lake is better than the ocean. Because it's not wavy waters, it's still waters. But again, that was me sort of playing into that notion of the shepherd is there to coddle me, to lead me to a place of rest instead of fulfillment. Um, now, what, what this is, that you see, sheep and any shepherd that, that you know, you can ask, sheep don't drink from moving waters. Sheep drink from still waters. And if you, uh, uh, shepherds will tell you, they'll like go next to a stream and they'll dig out a little pool area. When they get there, so that the sheep will come and drink of the water. So this part of the passage is saying, no, God provides what the sheep need. In food and water, their basic needs for life. Now, really? You might be asking the question, well, Alright, if this is true, if this, that's what this poem is really saying is, then for me, I'm like, well, do I have want? Do I have a sense of lack in my life? And I did 
And so I wanted to ask, well, why is it, how is this missing the mark here? What, what are the reasons for that? And, and maybe you too, maybe say, no, I have, I feel lack. I feel this, this want within me. Well, I got three things for you to think about. One is you're on a journey. Remember that. Sheep were on a journey. Sheep, they left. You know, the, the, the place of their gathering and then they went on a journey for a season and they didn't find grass and water immediately. And there might have been times, particularly in the hot seasons, where you might have to walk up four to 8,000 feet every day to find the cool places where grass and water would grow. And you're, you're on this journey. You say, I need water. I need food. Well, Follow and trust the shepherd. He'll take you to that place. So remember, part of it may just be, well, yeah, you you do lack. You have need. But you're on a journey. And God's timing is God's timing. I was talking with someone just Friday um, uh, who... uh, um, was, has been has spent the last four or five months, I think it was, um, looking for a job, and just in the last week, you know, was offered a job, and and at this stage, at, on this journey, he's now saying, uh, praise the Lord, and he's looking back over the journey and how meaningful it was, how challenging, faith stretching, but how meaningful it was. So some of you maybe you're on a journey, if you're in this place of lack or want. Trust the shepherd. Trust him on the journey. Keep following him. Another issue that comes up that I thought about for me is that sometimes I get my wants and needs confused. You know, that, 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 that is particularly, I think, common in our day. And particularly will happen in a, a market-driven economy, in a capitalist world where we, we have to sell. People have to buy. So you have to, con- you have to convince or confuse people to think that their wants are their needs so that then they will buy what you're selling. And then they buy it and it comes in and maybe for a moment it satisfies them, but then it doesn't. Because we've confused our wants with our needs. Man, we gotta be careful that. I mean, I am bombarded. We are bombarded with messages from all different speakers and places and folks that manipulate our weak desires and lead us to believe that our wants are our needs. Now, I truly believe the principalities and powers of this world today take those desires, even good desires. A lot of them are good desires. But they take them and they contort them so that they become felt needs that really are desires. So that's another, if I'm feeling want and lacks a good question, say, all right, I'm on a journey. Where's God leading me? Let me follow him. And the other is to say, all right, have I confused my wants with my needs? Another um, possibility is plainly that... um, I'm not following the shepherd. That I'm going my own way. And maybe you're going your own way. You know, maybe God's a nice figure. I mean, you're here, so some reason you're here, so you believe there's a God, but you sort of keep him at an arm's distance. You know, we, or we treat God, as I've said many times, not as our shepherd, but as our app. You know, that an app's a thing on the cell phone. 
that you go to when you need to find it. I'm sorry, I just saw a few confused. Or you, you treat them as your butler or customer service. You know, they're, they're, we just go that way when I'm in need, when I'm in trouble. And, you know, that's okay. Good When we're in need and we call out to God, that's a good thing, a good knee-jerk reaction. But God, this is not, God is my great customer service rep, even though that would be cool. God is my shepherd, and I am a sheep. And sheep need a shepherd all the time. Not just at the beginning of the trail. Not just at a few points along the way, but on the entire trail. But I got good news for you. If that's the case, if the case is you, you feel need and lack and you feel left out, there's something within you that is incomplete and that maybe you are on your own path instead of on the shepherd's path, I got good news for you because the next passage, it speaks directly to that. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. All right, now, hang with me here. Because I told you, I've made the mistake for a long time of putting that he restores my soul with the food and the water before it. You know, thinking I was at the lake with a green lawn and that's what was restoring my soul. That's not what this is. The, The word for restore here is the exact same word that we often translate and can be translated here, repent. And it's actually in a form that is causal, meaning he causes me to repent or I am caused to repent. And a better translation, you'll see it in other places, is he restores me back. He restores my soul back by taking me off of my path and putting me on his. He restores my soul by putting me Back on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Those two passages go together. So if we are on the wrong path, if we're on our, our own path, if we're confusing our wants with our needs or all, whatever it might be, we are lost and we need to get back on the path. God restores us, even causes us to repent. And takes us off that wrong path and puts us on the the right one. Again, if you talk to a a shepherd, they'll tell you when a sheep gets lost and goes his own way, when they finally realize it, you know, what they've been doing, they've been eating on something and they sort of wander off eating this nice trail and then they stop and look up and see there's no other sheep. What they will often do is then find a bush, crawl under it and, and cry out. I'm like, that's a great picture. I mean, that's, in essence, Gene, what you were saying last week. It's what David did when he was confronted, that he was on his own path by, bidding, by committing uh, adultery with Bathsheba and murder with Uriah. He said, stop, stop, cry out for help. And a good shepherd will count the sheep regularly and say, hey, I got a sheep missing. And then will wander off to listen for that sheep that is crying. And if that's the the case for you, then I invite you. If you you realize you are on your own path and not the path of God, then cry out. Cry out like a lost sheep. And the good shepherd, the one who is your shepherd and my shepherd, will come and rescue us and put us back on the path for his glory, for his purposes, for the purpose he has for us which are better than the purpose that I have for me. 
He doesn't, he doesn't come and put us on our path and then leave us. He puts us on his path now to follow him. And I invite you um, uh, during the prayer stations, we'll have at communion, invite you during that time. If today is that day of saying, yeah, I am on the, the wrong path, God help me get on the right path, that you would come to the prayer stations with different uh, elders and leaders in the church who will just be praying with you throughout the sanctuary. This is a great time to do that. Or you don't even have to wait. You can cry out to him now. You can stop listening to me and cry out to him and listen to him. Now, and, and now here's, here's the other thing though. Do you see the next verse? The next verse, you know, is the one probably used the most and it's actually the pinnacle. You know, so he's going to take us. He's going to rescue us when we go our own way. He's going to put us on the path. So now we got clear sailing. Clear sailing ahead, right? This is, I'm on his path. All is good. The storms are going to stop. The lions are going to turn into lambs and we're going to all get together. And no, that is not at all what he says. What's the next thing that he says? And yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait, I thought the good shepherd, my shepherd just picked me up from the way I was going and he put me on his, on his path for his glory and his honor. Doesn't that mean that now the way is nice and sweet and calm? No, it doesn't. Everyone goes through this life and we walk through the valleys of the shadow of death at times. <laughs> But, but here's the other thing. The other amen is remember this though. He also takes us to fields with water and grass. Sometimes we get so focused on the valley of the shadow of death, understandably so, that we forget all the days that he has taken us to fields of green grass and water. You know, we, when, when trauma happens, it's regular. We say, God, why is this happening? How many times when good things happen, do we stop and say, God, why is this happening? I don't deserve this. And yet, I got health. of money in a bank account. My family has health. I have roof over my head. I do not deserve this. Why is this happening? Why am I lying down in a green field? Why am I just drinking in the water? So there is no promise that the journey he has on it. Matter of fact, it's just the opposite. We will face evil in this world. But it's not dominant, nor is it the leader. It it will work to take pot shots in our lives. Now, I don't mean to belittle those. These are serious and significant as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And there actually was in, um, uh, in, in Palestine, ancient Palestine, a, a, a valley that was called the valley of death. Uh, they also had valleys of fatness, which was a good thing. Valleys of fatness were valleys that were very wide. And you know what happens with the valley, you know, the, so it's hard rock that had been made over a long time. It's hard rock over the side. And when it rains, that hard rock doesn't take any of the water, but it acts as a funnel and sends it all to the middle. Well, when you have a wide valley, then that means it's plenty of water and plenty of silt that's there. And so it's a place where grass grows. They're valleys of life. The valleys of death, one of this particular one, was particularly long and particularly narrow. And there were times on this valley that it was barely wide enough for one sheep 
to be able to walk through and maybe turn around. So you can imagine, if you've got a group of sheep, and you're walking through this valley, in a single file line, what are you going to do if you come upon a pride of lions? What are you going to do if you come upon a marauding band of sheep stealers? Yeah, tell everybody to turn around and run. I mean, you're stuck. What was most common and most terrifying was what happens if you hear thunder and your rain comes. Because then that little valley turns into a rushing river in no time. And we hear that even today. That's the valley of the shadow of death. I think it would have been bit better if it's the valley of death. That you just know it's death. Okay, it's where we're going. It's going to end in death. The shadow of death, you know, it hovers over. You know it's there. You can see that it's, you can see that it possibly it's coming and it just elicits fear and anxiety at every step, you know. Every sound you're going to wonder, ooh, was that a lion? Or is that a rock slide starting? Every cloud that would start to come up. If you're in a valley, you can't see it coming. You only see it when the cloud, every cloud, is that a storm? And, and so it was serious. You, you, you enter into the valley of the shadow of death and it is a point of no return. That once you start, you got to finish or you're going to be finished. I'll take just a moment right there. I know there are people in here who are in that kind of place in your life right now. Sort of that place of, of no return or you know where, nowhere to turn. You, you just feel like you're, the walls are there and you, you, you gotta keep walking. And uh, you, you wonder in fear and anxiety, what will happen? Is that cloud a storm? Is that sound a rock slide? Some of you it may be for good reasons. Really good reasons that that's the case. You're, you're making decisions. That are where you're saying yes to one thing and no to a whole bunch of others. And that can be scary. That can be like that valley where there's just nowhere to turn and you don't know. You don't know what that might be. And again, it might be good things. You know, something like marriage. It's a really good thing, but it's really scary. Maybe having a child. You know, it's a really good thing, celebratory, but then it becomes, what am I going to do? How do I do this? And Maybe changing jobs. Maybe moving. You know, those are, those are good things, but they, they, they can become like that valley. Or that maybe things that are not good, like illness, whether it's physical or, or mental illness. Or it can be you've been victim of a crime or of an accident or some injustice or you face sexism or racism or some besetting sin or addiction. What is it that, and you're, you're just in this path and it feels like the valley of the shadow of death and you don't know how you're going to get through it and some of them you may never get through until the end, which we'll get to. But I, I, I want you all just to take a moment, close your eyes, imagine being in that kind of valley, that place of no return. Hear the words of the psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you 
with me. For you are with me. You have not abandoned me. You have not run off because of the thunder. You have not left me because of the fear. Whatever situation you're in, hear this psalm in your life that He is your shepherd leading you through it. If you want, you can open your eyes if you haven't already. And this, this actually is the pinnacle of the psalm. This is the climax of the poem. Even though it's the middle. That happens in Hebrew stuff sometimes. You are with me. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on right here. One is to note, did you notice the change in addressing God? It went from third person to second person. It went from talking about God to talking to Him. That's the gift of the valley of the shadow of death. It leads us to nothing more. That there's just no place to turn and we have to cry up to God. That is a gift. And it also speaks to Jesus. Who followed the way of the shepherd through the valley of the shadow of death. All the way to the cross. And where there he came face to face with evil and he stayed hung to a cross and took to death with him evil and death and sin and guilt and destroyed them, left them in the grave and was raised on the third day to show that our shepherd, your shepherd, my shepherd, who leads us even through the valley of the shadow of death is greater than sin and evil itself. Wherever you may be in that valley, the shadow of of death, say out loud regularly, but you are with me. And then he goes on, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And as you know, many may know the rod is sort of that defensive weapon that he uses to fend off the evil around us. And the staff is that um, uh, weapon that keeps us in our place with the a little crook on it that when we get lost and we fall down into a hole, the crook would go underneath the sheep's front legs and just pull them right up. They bring comfort. They bring consolation. And then he ends with a party. Changes from the shepherd to a host. Here. It says now, and the end of this journey is a table that is set before even my enemies, even those who were, just, who were detractors from me, who, those who were haters who were saying, I told you not to go. They sit on the top of the valley. And they yell down, what are you doing down there? You shouldn't go that way. Don't be doing that. But you're following the shepherd along the way. And at the end, we gather at a table that we'll be remembering in just a few moments. And at that table is a great celebration where we're anointed with oil. It's joy and festivity and fulfilling of the very purpose that God has for us. And then he closes off, and surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. In other words, he's the shepherd who leads us in front, and he's the one who follows us in the back. He's got our front and our back. And we simply rejoice that we rest in his house all the length of our days and all the length of his days. 
And so all that we celebrate here today as we gather at that table is knowing the end of our journey. We know what Jesus has done for us on the cross, defeating evil, and we know that our shepherd's leading us to that ultimate feast and party where we will celebrate with him together. And that is what energizes us to walk through this life knowing we have everything we need and nothing to fear, and have a purpose and meaning that is eternal as we're following our shepherd. Amen.